My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh, and this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steelers country. I'm your host, Tony. Week 15 in the books, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated by the New England Patriots. I don't know what the right word to use here. It's st- had a game stolen from them. Uh, against the New England Patriots, they lose 27 to 24, bringing their record now to 11 and 3. Again, they've already won the AFC North. That is in the bag. This was a game about home field advantage. The New England Patriots now have home field advantage, uh, for the time being. They are also 11 and 3 and of course have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. Uh, but anything can happen here in the last couple weeks. The Steelers could potentially regain, uh, home field advantage if the New England Patriots were to lose another game, uh, and the Steelers were to win out. But, Again, you know, that probably is, is unlikely to happen. And so the Steelers are now left with knowing that they have to probably go to New England in, in January. Uh, a task that they had to do, you know, what was it? About, about a year ago. Um, and we all saw what happened last year. Uh, it is a, this is a tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it. And, and I, I've waited until, uh, Saturday morning to record this podcast to try and, you know, give an objective look at this game and, um, you know, not let some of the emotions that I'm sure we're all feeling after this game kind of spew out into this podcast, right? It's, I think it's very easy to go on this podcast and just, you know, spend an hour bitching about, you know, the horrific call that was the, the incomplete pass to Jesse James. Um, you know, that, that replay and the overturn and the whole sequence of events there. Um, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about it. Uh, it, it happened. It is, it is, you know, in the words of Joe, it is the kind of thing that happens when you play the Patriots. Um, and it is the kind of thing that you usually don't recover from when you're playing a team like the Patriots. Um, it's look, it's bullshit, right? Just straight up. It's a bullshit play. And I, and I don't have to, and I know I'm a Steelers fan, so I sound biased and it sounds like sour grapes and it sounds like, oh, this is going to be the salt cast, but just go back and listen to Jim Nance and Tony Romo as they spent. There's about a three or four minute sequence there between when the, the, it's ruled a touchdown and when they actually overturn it, right? Listen to Jim Nance. Listen to, uh, to, to Tony Romo, right? Listen to them describe it as they are describing the replays and, oh yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got, he's got control of the ball. Yeah, he's got two feet down. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's got it. He's over the, no one touches him. He's in, you know, and, they, and, and just listen to the thought process that they're going through. These are supposed to be two objectives. And I don't know if Jim Nance is so, so much objective, right? I, I think, you know, he may be a Patriots fan. And, and again, that's fine, right? Cause, you know, his, his calls, especially this year with, with Tony Romo have been, I think very, very good. I think him and Tony Romo have been a great announced crew. And I, you know, I love listening to Tony Romo and, and Jim Nance has not kind of taken away from that, but just listen to what they're saying because it takes them like two, two and a half minutes, right? Before they actually figure out what they're reviewing. In fact, I think one of them at some point says, 
boy, this is taking a long time. What could they possibly be looking at here? Because we've looked at all angles and we don't see anything. And then one of them is like, it dawns on them. Oh, and I think it's, it's the same feeling that, you know, we had as Steeler fans watching it is you start to have this realization of like, oh no, oh, they're going to overturn this incomplete, the worst scenario, right? You know, we're all thinking, well, if he's touched down to one, not the end of the world, right? You know, you have Le'Veon Bell, you run it up the middle, you score, we win, right? I mean, you know, down at the one yard line is not the end of the world here, but incomplete pass. I mean, this is 10 yards, right? This is, this is, this is a touchdown. Uh, you're taking, you're not just taking away, you know, the touchdown, you're taking away the, the, the nine and a half yards that, you know, he got, even if you say, okay, well, when he went into the end zone, you know, he was touched or whatever. I mean, this is worst case scenario. And you, and then you start to listen and listen again, listen to Tony Romo as he starts to describe what the hell a catch even is in the NFL anymore. Because he starts to say, oh no, he, he, he starts to say, oh no, he reaches out. Oh, he didn't have to do that. But you can hear him, the kind of internal monologue of Tony Romo, as he's saying those words, oh, he didn't have to stretch out like that. He's, t- you can hear his internal monologue saying, wait, no, what am I saying? Of course he has to reach out. It's, it's, it's the last play of the game. If he reaches out and scores, the game's over. We win, right? I mean, you know, he doesn't have to reach out, but that's the NFL that we're watching now, right? That's the NFL. It's like, no one actually knows what it catches. And now we're telling receivers, don't try to make spectacular plays, right? Jesse gets the ball go- going to the ground, brings it in, turns his body, extends the ball out. Oh, no, 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 don't extend the ball out. No, 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 don't do that. Because you're putting yourself at risk of not catching it. Even though you've already caught it, you have control, and you're extending it, the NFL is going to rule that you didn't have control if at any point now you were to lose control. It's ridiculous, right? No one watching the game thinks that wasn't a catch, right? Like, regardless of what the rule is, unless you're unless you're a diehard Patriots fan, you know that was a catch. That was a touchdown, right? This is Calvin Johnson rule. This is Des Bryant. This is, this is you know, Jesse James rule. Welcome to the list, right? You know, you're watching the game. You know that that's a touchdown. Jim Nance knew it was a touchdown. Tony Romo knew it was a touchdown. Everybody knows it's a touchdown. Now, by the NFL rules and all of that BS, what, you know, was this correctly called on the field? Whatever. The Pittsburgh Steelers should have won this football game. They played well enough to win this football game offensive, offensively, defensively. They had it right there at the end and they didn't get it. Now, I, I, I want to move on from that play. Because I think there are a lot of things to say about this game. And the, the first thing I want to address is this kind of, this deflating feeling that I think all Steeler fans have in the week after, right? This kind of like, oh God, the season's over. We had it stolen from us. You know, we can never, you know, this, this, we can't go to New England and win, right? And I, and I said this last week on the podcast. I said, if the Steelers lose to New England in Pittsburgh, th- th- it's over. They're not going to New England and winning. They're not going to New England and winning. Right. And, but I want to talk about the subtext of that statement because yes, the Steelers now lost. So why would I think they can go to New England and win? Well, here's the point. I said this, if the Steelers lose to New England in Pittsburgh, how are the hell are they going to come? How are they going to play a better game in New England? Right. New England's going to play a better game. The point here is if it was this, if, if Steelers Patriots this time was the same as it always is, a kind of dominating New England performance, the Steelers always being one step behind, not being able to keep up, right? not dominating either side of the ball, then you would say, yeah, I mean, in New England, it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. You're not going to go to New England and beat this team. If you couldn't beat them in your hometown, in the regular season, you're not going to go to the playoffs. The point here, though, is that we did. We we actually beat the Patriots. No, 
No, we had it stolen from us, sure. Right? But Steelers player with the ball in the end zone at the end of the game, touchdown, the score would have been 31-27 with about 20 seconds to go. You know, maybe Brady pulls off a miracle. We'll never know. But point here is the Steelers won this football game and they had it taken from them. So can they go to New England and win another football game? I believe that they can. And the other thing we're not talking about here is that this is a Steelers-Patriots game in which Antonio Brown went down in the third third Steelers possession. Third Steelers possession in this game. That, again, matters. Antonio Brown is an MVP caliber player this year. He has he has lit it up. And, and I'll tell you what. You know, people talk about... Uh, Bill Simmons said this dumb shit on his podcast about how Antonio Brown going out actually helped the Steelers because we ran the ball more. Wrong. The Steelers were going to come into this game running the ball because, again, we have Le'Veon Bell. And we know the way you beat the Patriots is you play... You play man-to-man, you get after Brady, and then you keep the ball away from him, right? The best defense against Tom Brady is the ball out of his hand. The Steelers did a very good job of that in this game. They led, they continued that lead all the way from the second quarter, all the way till, you know, 50 seconds left in this game. They dominated this football game without Antonio Brown. And, And to those who will say Antonio Brown helped us, look... There were two possessions in this game outside of the Jesse James thing that, that killed the Steelers in this game. But they are, that is the actual reason why we lost, right? If, if Juju doesn't make that 70 yard run down the sideline and we don't get, you know, that chance at the 10 yard line, right? If it just ends on the Gronk play, the two possessions you'll actually go back at this game and look at are the Steelers up 24 to 16 and the Steelers up 24 to 19. Those two possessions. Those are two possessions where we needed a big play through the passing game. The Steelers are in run-the-clock-out mode. They have been in this mode, right? They need to... It is now the Steelers versus the clock. And they need to extend a drive. And if they can get any points on the board, they can put this game away. And the problem with those drives is that it was all Le'Veon, Le'Veon, Le'Veon. But they couldn't get anything going in the air. And there's two big third downs in this game. Right? There's two humongous third downs in this game that we, we could have had, right? There's the, there's the, uh, there's the, the third and 20 that actually could have been more, but because the Steelers are, uh, it could have been easier, but because the Steelers are in first and 20 and they just want to continue running the ball, um, and, uh, no Antonio Brown, right? They're just going to try and run the clock out. Why even try to do anything on that one? That was a huge one. And then the next one is the bigger one. The Steelers are up 24 to 19 and they have a third and four. Third and four. Now, Antonio Brown, late in games to put it away, has been, it's, it, it is the story of the season. You go back to week one against the Cleveland Browns. The, the score is 21 to 18. It's third down. There's about two minutes to go. If they convert this third down, they win the football game. Who do we go to? Antonio Brown. Kansas City Chiefs game. It's 12 to 10. The game is kind of closing in on us offensively. We haven't been able to put anything together in the second half, right? The Chiefs are, are finally mounting some offense. We need a play to, to put this game away. And who comes up with it? It's Antonio Brown, right? Game after game, the, the, the Baltimore comeback. Who sparked that comeback? Big plays by Antonio Brown, right? The, 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 the game winning field goal against Green Bay. Who came up with the big catch on the sideline to set that up? Antonio Brown, right? These are the the season-defining plays that we have had this season to win football games in tight spots like this 
have come from Antonio Brown and not having him on the field for those last two possessions, the two possessions prior to the Jesse James play, those were killer. Those were the times when you needed Antonio Brown to come up with a big play to give you that spark that leads to whether it's the game-winning touchdown, a game-winning field goal, or just a game-winning first down to extend a drive to take more time off the clock so that Brady doesn't have enough time to come down and score. That's what they needed, and that's what they didn't get at the end of the game. Now, not to say that they didn't get big plays out of their wide receivers, right? I thought when Antonio Brown went down, you saw guys like Juju and Martavis step up a little bit, right? Martavis had a great one-handed touchdown. Juju, of course, the the run down the sideline at the end of the game, miraculous, miraculous by him. Um, and again, shows everything that he brings to the table, right? Tough guy, but as we talked about in in, in the Detroit game, right? This is, you know, this whole, like, how did they not catch him thing is complete bullshit, right? This guy has real explosiveness with the ball and with the run after catch. That's what he brings to the table. And that play, you know, didn't surprise a lot of us because of what happened in Detroit. We've seen this before. We've seen him have those kind of explosive plays. I think we are so lucky to have Juju on this team. Because, again, Antonio Brown goes down, and it's not like the entire offense shuts down, right? He went down, the score was... Uh, 10 to 7. We just kicked a field goal. It was a third down play, uh, when, when he went down. Uh, they kicked a field goal after that. It was 10 to 7, right? The Steelers went down to score two more touchdowns after that. With, without Antonio Brown, without their best offensive playmaker. And that's, that, that says a lot about where Martavis is right now, where Juju is right now, where Eli Rogers is. This is a team, again, it's still a pick your poison type of thing. Again, it, you know, we don't have the we don't have the the game changing game winning playmaker at the end when you need him, but this game was winnable as we saw at the end when Jesse was in the end zone with the ball. Defensively, I actually thought this team played really well. I, I did. I knew. I, I said last week that this offense has to score thirty if we're going to win, and we have to keep New England in the twenties. They have to end the game. If New England ends the game with like five six possessions of no touchdowns. We're gonna end up. We're gonna end up really well in this game. And if you look back, they st- they have uh, in the first half they have a punt and a field goal. That's two. And in the second half they have an interception and a field goal. That's you know, an inter- I'm sorry, interception, punt, field goal. They had five possessions in this game where they didn't score a touchdown. And there we were right at the end, 27-24. If the Steelers had put up a touchdown, one more touchdown in the second half, they could have won this football game. And they should have had a touchdown at the end of the game. <laughs> Uh, that's why I'm coming out of this game, and I don't feel like, I don't feel like this is the end of the world, right? There were some things defensively that, that Brady did that, that exploited uh, our defense, right? And you had to expect that, especially a team in the Steelers who loves to play zone and had to get out of their comfort zone and play press man to man. You knew it wasn't gonna be, you know, a shutout in this game. And I said on last week's podcast, if we're holding them under 20 at any point, this is insane. And I'll, I'll tell you what, the, they didn't put up 20 in this game, the Patriots, until 50 seconds left on the clock. Remember, they're, you know, they got the ball back with, what was it, three minutes, two minutes, something like 206 when they got the ball and they scored with 56 seconds to go. They, they were at 19 points at that point. 19. We were holding them under 20. Again, if, if the, the possession before, it's the third and four play. If we get a first down there, right now you're starting to talk about, they're going to have to start using timeouts and you know just just the amount of time left in the game starts coming into coming into play. If you get the third and four, it's one more first down and you win 24 to 19. This defense would have held them under 19 or under 20. I mean an incredible performance. And yes, you know, the Gronk 
killing us on the last drive, right? He, he had every single uh, catch on the last drive. Obviously frustrating. Obviously frustrating. But again, you knew, you knew that at some point Brady was going to make us pay, right? Cause that, that is, that is the story of Tom Brady. It is the story of the Patriots. You cannot let them hang around. You cannot let them hang around. And when Brady got the ball back with two minutes, everybody knew the same thing. It was like, God, they're probably going to go down here and score and hopefully they leave us enough time. And when it got to be first and goal from the eight, you know, I was saying, let them score, let them score, let them score, give, at least give our offense a chance to come down with about a minute left. And they did. And we all saw what happened after that. Uh, I don't think it was a great defensive performance. Clearly not a great defensive performance. I think if in the rematch, if there is a rematch, they have to figure out how to play man-to-man, but also give help to Gronk without, without allowing, you know, someone like a Brandon Cooks or a Philip Dorsett or, or one of their speedier wide receivers to kind of beat you deep. Um, but you can't allow Gronk to just take over like he did at the end of this game, right? That was frustrating. Um, but I thought, I thought the pressure was there. I thought Cam Hayward had an outstanding game. Um, I was surprised we didn't see more James Harrison, but as you started to watch how they were playing, how the Steelers were, were defending this one, uh, leaving, uh, Javon Hargrave on the field in a lot of nickel situations and playing with just one pass rushing linebacker instead of two. Remember, normally it's Bud Dupree and TJ Watt or, Arthur Modes and Anthony Chicolo, right, as your ends, and then you you take Hargrave off and you keep Tuit and Hayward as kind of your interior lineman, right, in a four-man rush in the nickel. What they ended up doing in this game, because they knew you had to get pressure up the middle against Brady, is if we leave our starting three defensive linemen in there, Tuit, Hayward, Hargrave, and then you you either blitz Watt or Dupree, that's a better pass rush against a Brady who is who is more susceptible to up the middle pass rush and less susceptible to the around the end pass rush. I, and I, I thought that was a that was a, a very very good wrinkle that Butler and Tomlin brought to this game because again we saw Javon Hargrave have some success in the AFC Championship game. Uh, he I remember he had that big sack early in the game, you know, before the game got out of hand. Um, so I thought that was very very good and very smart by uh, Butler and, and Tomlin. Also got to give them credit for, you know, for, for sticking with Cam Sutton, uh, the entire game, a rookie. I thought he played decently well. You know, he didn't really have any kind of boneheaded plays. Um, really defensively, you know, outside of the big last drive there, right? The only, the only real, um, the only real like disaster play that this team had was the, the long, um, you know, fake end around play that Mitchell got beat. And this is something we saw in the AFC Championship game last year. And that was one of those plays where one of the few plays in the game where they did play zone um, and the the Patriots are able to exploit the kind of thing you've seen Baltimore and Green Bay and all these other teams do uh, to our to our secondary. A secondary that has had communication problems, right? And I think communication problems because of how many different guys have been back there, um, you know, different signal callers, whether it's been Mitchell going out or with Hayden down and switching between Sensabaugh and now... Sutton, uh, you know, I, again, I, I thought that was really the only play in this game. And, and I think a lot of people feared in this game that with how poorly our secondary had played against Green Bay and against uh, Baltimore, that really the Patriots were just throwing us at will. They really did not in this game. Uh, they had some success, sure, but it wasn't like the floodgates opened and they were throwing 50-yard bombs every single play. Uh, so, you know, give give credit to the defense for that. And again, I, I got to say, I thought... Cam Sutton would be the one that got picked on most of the game. It didn't really happen that way. 
right? I think that what, what Brady really recognizes that the middle of the field for the Steelers is still a problem, especially without Shazier there. Um, you know, I, I still thought Sean Spence left a lot to be desired at the inside linebacker position. Um, you know, especially against the run, the Patriots really ate up the Steelers in the running game in this game more than anything. Um, you know, I think Deion Lewis had like five yards to carry in this game. Again, didn't come back to bite the Steelers too badly because, you know, the Patriots running the football kind of played into the Steelers game plan, which is if you have long drives and we have long drives, right? That's, we're, that's good for us. Um, so, you know, they just wanted, the Steelers wanted a short game, especially after AB went out. Um, so again, you know, the Steelers have to be better against the run. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna mean that they're gonna have to figure out what to do on nickel situations. Uh, you know, when Hay, when Hargrave comes off the field, you know, and, and, and you're leaving Spence in there, whether it's Matikavich coming in, um, you know, whether it's Fort, whatever it is. And again, I thought Fort actually did decently well in this game in passing downs as another inside linebacker. He came in. Um, I thought he played well. Mike Hilton, you know, Mike Hilton is, you know, we're talking about awards, right? Defensive MVP. I don't know if he gets defensive MVP because Cam Hayward is unbelievably good, but he's going to be in the discussion, right? And this is a guy who's not a rookie, but a new player for the Steelers. Um, and really getting his first opportunity in a starting role in the National Football League. And my God, what a, what a find for the Steelers. And you, you know, you look at what the Steelers have tried to do at cornerback and how unlucky they got with what happened with Senquez Golson. You know, Mike Hilton has kind of filled in where the Senquez Golson injury, um, you know, Senquez was supposed to be our nickelback to replace William Gay. He ends up getting hurt and just never plays it down. But you get Mike Hilton in there and again, perfect. Um, so, very happy to see Mike Hilton play so well. I, you know, he probably got away with a couple plays, like the, the Gronk play especially, where he just barely got a hand in there. But that's what great corners do, right, is they make the spectacular, whoa, how the hell did he make make up that ground or how did he make that play type of thing. You know, I, I'm not saying that Mike Hilton has gotten into the great category yet, but, uh, you know, he's certainly making a name for himself, right? And certainly as a cornerback in the Steelers system, you know, these guys are usually unsung unless your name is Rod Woodson, Right. Uh, even the, even Ike Taylor, right, was never thought of as a great cornerback in this league. Um, but, you know, Mike Hilton is starting to make some of those kind of spectacular plays that we usually don't see from Steelers, uh, especially Steeler cornerbacks. Um, yeah, so, you know, coming out of this game, right, look, the game in New England is gonna suck, right? But, going into that game, the Steelers have some things going for them, which is that we beat this team already. We beat them and, and, you know, this is the old Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook, right? You know, not that we let them off the hook. We had this game stolen from them. If you want to talk about revenge factor in this game, if you want to talk about, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, it's hard to beat a team twice kind of thing. Yeah. This is why, right? This is why it's hard to beat a team twice is because you know what the Patriots are saying right now? Whoo, we got away with that one. We got away with that one. Uh, you know, you know, no AB. No, Joe Hayden. Do the Patriots want to play us again? Do they want to play us again? Are you sure? This did not go the way the Patriots thought it would. You look at those at uh, the way our defense had been playing the last couple weeks, and you said, "Oh, now they're going to try and play man to man, a coverage they don't play." Oh, we're going to eat them up. We're going. This is the number one scoring offense in football in the New England Patriots, and they're going up against a Steeler defense that can't stop giving up forty. I mean, they're giving up 30, 39. I mean, we're just you know we're bleeding points on defense. And I was like, oh yeah, the Patriots are going to, I mean, oh, this might just be a slaughter. They might just kill him. No, it took a last minute, two minute drive by Brady to take the lead in this game. And then it took some bullshit, what is a catch shit by, uh, 
by the by the NFL head office. And again, don't blame the referees in this one. Remember, it's the NFL head office that overturns calls now. It's a big. I, again, I think that that is a that is a uh, important thing to remember about this year. It's a new rule. It is not the referee on the field who is overturning calls. It is the NFL head office that they are on the they are on the mic with talking to. Now, I don't want to be conspiracy theory guy, but I think I said this on the on the podcast after the Jets game, right? Uh, where the, the Patriots beat the Jets, and the Austin Safarian Jenkins play was called not a touchdown, not down at the one, but a touchback, and the Patriots went on to win that game. That was a game in which the, the Jets, I believe, would have taken the lead or tied the game on that play. Uh, gigantic play in the game, changed the entire complexion of that game. And I said at the time, that is the that is one of the strangest calls I've ever seen. And it's one of those where you look at it and you go, uh, I don't think you can call that. And even Patriots fans are thinking like, oh, that's I don't even agree with this. But, now, and again, I'm not saying it's conspiracy, but what I will say, what I will say is that now that you have this new rule where the referee doesn't even overturn a call, it actually goes to the NFL head office, conspiracy enters into the list of, the list of possibilities, right? And when you look back at this team and you look back at the Patriots and how many of their games have been decided by NFL head office decision, the number is three now. The number is three. The Houston game with Brandon Cooks, where he actually loses possession of the ball, but they still rule it a touchdown for them to win that game. Again, they reviewed it, and the NFL head office said, no, touchdown. The Austin Safarian Jenkins fumble out of the uh, out of the end zone, which, you know, uh, was that a fumble? Are we sure that was a fumble? He lost control before he crossed the plane? Interesting. And now this one, the Jesse James play. Three times, three times it's gone to the NFL head office for a game-deciding play against the Patriots. And all three times they've said, yep, Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Interesting. Interesting. Again, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, right? I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. But I'm just saying this is a very interesting thing for the for the NFL to do is to take it out of the ref's hands and make it go to the NFL head office. Because if you want crazy conspiracy theories, well, you you set one up for yourself. Good job. Good job, NFL. Because now we can start to, you know, and Ed Bouchette wrote this article this week in the Post-Gazette making this very point that the, three times now we've had this happen. It's strange. It's strange. So let's talk about where the Steelers go from here now. Because Antonio Brown is hurt. He will miss the rest of the regular season. Uh, you know, hopefully the Steelers can get a bye week. Again, the way the Steelers get a bye week, they can clinch a bye week if they just win out. It's, it's in their hands. They win out, they get a bye week. Uh, they can lose if the Jack, if Jacksonville also loses and they play, uh, Tennessee and San Francisco. And again, the San Francisco team in San Francisco that you don't want to be playing right now. So Jacksonville could very easily lose tomorrow. Uh, but the Steelers win out, they get the bye week. Uh, having no Antonio Brown against Houston and against Cleveland, again, you would hope you would hope that that shouldn't really matter. But, you know, you go back to these kind of stupid losses that the Steelers have had throughout throughout the years um, and really throughout this season. Um, and, and, you know, there has to be in the back of your mind a little bit of a worry, right? A little bit of a worry that, oh, God, the Steelers could drop a stupid one, right? And you start saying things in your head like, okay, so we're going to Houston, which means we're going to have the bet on the road bullshit. And, like, you know, what's going to happen there? And then the Cleveland game, which, again, should be an easy win, but... Are Cleveland, is Cleveland really going to go 0-16? Are they really going to go 0-16? Hopefully they beat Chicago and get, I mean, this is what happened last year, right? Is they just got this out of their system right before they played us. And so it wasn't about the Steelers having to, to clinch it, but, uh, to clinch the 0-16 for them. But yeah, I mean, look, a stupid loss could happen here and it would be, uh, look, it would be 
pretty much catastrophic at this point because if Jacksonville were to win out, the Steelers drop from what they what should have been a number one seed all the way down to the number three seed, meaning that they have to play in the playoffs uh, in the first week against a team. You know, it'll probably be like the Chargers or the Bills or someone like that. Like not not the end of the world type of game. But then you have to go on the road in the second round of the playoffs. You have to play the Jaguars in Jacksonville at that point, a team you've already lost to, and then you get your rematch against New England potentially. Not not a great scenario. The, the, look, these these next two games, right? While they while while this it feels like this kind of inevitability to this season now, where okay, you know, well we'll go up against New England again in January, right? There, it's not like the red carpet is just there for this team, right? You've got a couple of games here. That without Antonio Brown, without that kind of like who's going to save us at the end player, right? If these games start, if the Houston game looks a lot like the Green Bay game or it looks a lot like the Chicago game or it looks like one of these stupid games, the indie game, right? And you don't have Antonio Brown to bail you out. That's a problem, right? And then the Cleveland game, I mean, again, that's a team playing all for pride and, and it's a division game and those games are always dumb. And just like week one was, you know, 21 to 18 at the end, even though, you know, clearly we were the better team, right? You don't want to lose one of these dumb games because, again, if they do not, it is it is a win against whether it's a Jacksonville or a Kansas City or who else could they play? Not the 60, but Baltimore, right? One of those teams, that's the only that, – that is it is that – Plus, New England gets you to the Super Bowl. And I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this team uh, play the rest of the season. Right? I'm excited to see how the, how they adapt offensively and see guys like Martavis, who's been talking all year about getting his reps, getting his reps, getting his reps. Okay, you're going to get your reps now. right? Watching Juju get a little better. Hopefully, Vince McDonald can get, can get healthy and stay healthy into the playoffs. I mean, I know that's asking for a lot uh, because he has been hurt so often this year. But, you know, he's a great asset at tight end. Um you know, it kind of brings some of that, you know, Ladarius Green into this offense of like, oh, here's a real pass-catching tight end in this offense, and, and what can we do with that? Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what this offense transforms into without Antonio Brown and getting these guys some reps, getting some guys hot going into the playoffs, and then inserting Antonio Brown back into it. What's guaranteed about this season is we have a home playoff game, right? We know that that's going to happen. Whether it's in the wild card round or in the divisional round really is up to whether or not this team can can take this loss, shake it off, and then play well in their last two games. Because again, this is a devastating loss. I'm not going to say that this isn't a devastating loss. That kind of deflating the thing that you felt after losing this game, right? That that kind of anger and like what, you know, and then the, the whole, oh my God, you know, now we have to go to New England and the season's over, right? I'm sure the Steelers are feeling the same way. But hopefully they can turn that, that kind of anger into real, you know, uh, drive into the playoffs. Uh, this should this team should 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 not feel like everything was lost on Sunday. They should feel like we we sh- we won this game and it was stolen from us and now we're going to prove that by going to New England in January and winning this football game and before we do that, we're going to beat Houston in Houston, beat Cleveland uh, at home and then beat whoever it's got to be in the divisional round to get to that game against New England uh, because again, this team now has unfinished business, right? This is this all of a sudden becomes the unfinished business type of season. Um, this was a this was a Steelers victory that was taken away, and now this team has a real purpose between now and the end of the season, and that is to pay back what happened in Pittsburgh. Because you know, again, I mean, Steelers fans were robbed here, right? I mean, you know, if you live in Pittsburgh or, or if you're a Steelers fan that wants to watch this team play in an AFC Championship game, I mean, that was robbed of you. Right? That was just robbed of you. Um, you know, in I'm saying in Heinz Field. 
you know, it, it sucks, man. Watching the Steelers win an AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh is awesome. We did it in 2008. We did it in 2010. Should it happen again in 2017? And I said before last week, we have to sweep the Patriots, right? We have to sweep the Patriots. And sweeping the Patriots is not going to be easy. Well, we don't actually have to sweep the Patriots anymore, right? Instead, they have to sweep us. Um, but they have to know in the back of their minds, and we know in the back of our minds, that like, eh, we actually won that first one, and we're, we're out to prove it in the second one. So it'll be interesting. I- I'm excited to watch the rest of the season. I'm excited to see how this plays out. I hope that this team can can use this as motivation for the end of the season and not kind of take this uh, and, and kind of wallow in it. Um, and we'll see what happens for the rest of the season. All right, that's going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. The website, SteelerCountryPodcast.com. You can find, follow me on Twitter, at SteelerCountry. And I will see you next week, Christmas week, to talk Steelers-Texans. <laughs>